Let me say to the, uh, the kids in the room and the learning center and parents, thanks for your patience on this weekend when so many are traveling. And kids, I'm delighted you're in here and uh, hang with us because I do have something special for you uh, here at the end uh, when we dismiss. And so hang on for that. Uh, we lost legendary UT women's basketball coach this past week, uh, Pat Head Summit on Tuesday, passed away five years after being diagnosed with an early onset dementia in the form of Alzheimer's. She was 64 years old. On September 16, 2010, Miyoko Seno Shadrach passed away, my mom, after a six-year battle with Alzheimer's. She was 81. It is a brutal disease. Uh, we went through every stage right out of the book, just if you read it. I mean, it's our, our, many, our family went through early bouts of forgetfulness, repeating something, uh, denial, awkward doctor's visits, terrible tensions, the slow and painful slipping away of someone you love till they're gone, but they're still there. And I know just saying this, triggers something in many of us in the room, whether we've experienced that or we're experiencing it uh, even now on a similar journey. And uh, anyone in the room over 50, and I'm in, certainly in that category, um, when, we, when we forget something today, uh, we, we, we can kind of laugh it off as a senior moment, but what we know about dementia, um, it, it's really not... It's not as funny maybe as it was 20 years ago when I can't remember something or you can't remember something, and it triggers, uh, for me, some anxiety, certainly, uh, at the thought of that, because the forgetfulness of Alzheimer's is ultimately lethal. Uh, In a similar way, there is a spiritual Alzheimer's. It's a spiritual forgetfulness that is just as lethal to the spiritual life. It's why the Bible repeatedly tells us, remember, remember, remember. Remember in Joshua 4, they crossed the Jordan. They took the stones out of the middle. Joshua was was instructed to put those stones in a pile on the side on which they had now gone into the promised land so that when their kids came back and said, why is that pile of rocks there? And they would say, because we want you to remember... God held back the water. We crossed on dry land into this promised land. Psalm 78 is a rejoinder to recall and remember. And unfortunately, it's also an outline of why Israel found herself in so much trouble over and over again. Psalm 78, 42 says this, They did not remember His power the day when He redeemed them. From the adversary. Let's take our story of Esther. Let's put it in its context. Why are they in captivity? Why have they been exiled? They forgot. Because they forgot. If I could put the lesson in our text in a sentence, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to move quickly through this because we're going to spend our time at the back end here with some application around these tables. And so I'll move rather quickly this morning. And this is the message. In a sentence, when we forget what God has done, we find it difficult to trust what he is doing and what he has promised to do. This is the exhortation we'll find in Esther chapter 9. When we forget what God has done, 
we find it difficult to trust what he's doing and what he promises that he will do. It's a lesson that Esther and Mordecai do not want lost on the Jews in Persia. And in God's providence, it's a lesson he does not want lost on you and on me today. Open your Bibles to Esther chapter 9. We're in verses 30 to 32. It's the second part of the message Michael kicked off last week. The Jews have avenged themselves Uh, Veiled providence put Esther on the throne, Mordecai as prime minister. The decree from Haman has been countered with Mordecai's decree. Uh, They not only survive the attack, they, they, they master those who sought to master them. We're not sure how much time has passed. Could be days or months, but we're going to pick up verses 20 to 32. We're going to see it in three parts. We're now at the celebration We'll see it this way. Mordecai's instructions are verses 20 to 22, the people's celebration, verses 23 to 28, and the back end is Esther's validation, verses 29 to 32. Instructions, celebration, validation. That's our text for today. Follow along in your Bibles. This is God's word to you and to me this Lord's day. Verse 20. Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to celebrate the 14th day of the month, Adar, and the 15th day of the same month annually, because on those days the Jews rid themselves of their enemies. And it was a month which was turned for them, notice the reversals contrast, from sorrow to gladness, and from mourning to into a holiday, a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Now, Mordecai has simply formalized what they were already doing. You know, they won, when, they, when that day came and they defended themselves, they defeated their battle, no one needed to tell them, party, celebrate, this is a good day. You see, they, they knew that and they began doing that. But now, Mordecai formalizes, and I can say it in a good way, institutionalizes, you will celebrate on this day. It will become part of the calendar. And if I'm out for this as, a, as an application of sorts, maybe think about it in your own world, in your own life. It strikes me that remembering God's deliverances are too important not to put on the calendar. That's what we see. Now, I can tell you this, uh, when Lisa uh, comes up with a, a, a to-do list or she says, well, this is an art, you know, hey, do you think we could put a day on the, cal- on the calendar and we, you can help me in the garage? It, ne- it just kind of has a way of not getting on the calendar. Now, if someone calls me and says, you want to go hunting, you want to go fishing, you want to play golf, that gets on the calendar. You know, it's like what we, it really is, what we want to do and what's important goes on the calendar, And here we see that in a very practical sense, it's scheduled. You will remember and you will celebrate on this day. It will become a part of your culture and the fabric of your life. I don't know how long ago I did this, but just in in my own journey, I I, uh, years ago, and I've been doing this a long, long time, I, I was thinking about my prayer life and I was thinking about gratitude and the importance of being thankful. 
and of course, thankful all the time, and, and, and I seek to be that way. But years and years ago, I decided that Saturdays, for me, don't go legalistic. I'm not telling you you have to do this at all. But Saturdays, for me, became a day I said, you know what? On Saturdays, my morning walk, my prayer time is going to be thankfulness. And I just put it on there, and I just made it a habit of my heart that I would be on Saturdays not necessarily requesting, petitioning, but just recalling and reflecting. And it's been a good habit of soul for me to make that day a recollection of God's goodness and just make that's the day I'm thankful. That's my prayer. It's, it's this idea here that the deliverances of God need to go on the calendar because they matter and we need to celebrate them regularly. Now, one of the reasons the book of Esther was written, theologically redemptive history, why is this story in our Bibles? Well, it's there in part because it's the only place the Jews can go to know why in the world do we celebra- celebrate this feast of Pur- uh, Purim. Uh, this, is the, this, is, this tells them where the feast came from, why it was named that way, and why they celebrate it. It's a, it's a big-time celebration for the Jews of today, and I don't mean to be disrespectful or, or, or make light of it or anything, but just I think for, for this audience, for us, it kind of gets this, you know, uh, Purim for them, it's like Halloween and Christmas for our culture. It's that festive, y'all. They dress up. They got noisemakers. When Haman's name's mentioned, they run the noisemakers. They stomp their feet. They drown it out. They celebrate. They cheer. They, they drink. It's feasting. That's what Purim is for them. 2,500 years removed, they still celebrate it. Still celebrate it to this day. Notice it includes meeting the needs of others, gifts to the poor. And this is a fact and a point I would, I would offer to us to consider. Celebrating God's deliverances is more than remembering what God has done for me. It is celebrating in such a way that my celebration overflows to bless and encourage others. One commentator says it like this, the child who comes back from a party with a tasty morsel and says, I saved this for you, is nearing capturing, near to capturing the spirit of the ancient love gift, end quote. Oftentimes, like many of you, Lisa and I will get invitations to something, maybe a party, a celebration, an anniversary, uh, and, and, and we can't both go. And, uh, and so I know many of you would do this, you know, where we say, well, honey, why don't you go this time? I went last time, or I've got something, you go, and so we'll split up and go. It never fails when Lisa goes to a party. When she comes back, she has got a plate of dessert for me. I mean it. It's like, oh, I just knew you would like this. I had this for you. When I go, and it's not so much, you know, I'm not thinking that way, but it's, that's the heart. Her, heart. her heart is, you weren't there. I got to go, and I want you to join me in the celebration. This is the idea of giving of these gifts to one another. The heart of the celebration is not just for me, but it overflows. And we're going to see that over and over, even as we move into the celebration next. So that's the instructions. You see, we've instituted Purim, uh, the, the, the day itself has been, uh, has been set. Now they celebrate, verse 23, they recount the story first of all. Thus the Jews undertook what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the son of Hamdatha, the Agagite, the adversary of all Jews, had schemed against the Jews to destroy them and had cast Pur, 
That is the lot, dice, okay? They rolled, he rolled dice to disturb and to destroy them. But when it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that his wicked scheme, which he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they called these days Purim, after the name Pur. And because of the instructions in this letter, both what they had seen in this regard and what had happened to them, the Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants and for all those who allied themselves with them so that they would not fail to celebrate these two days according to their regulation and according to their appointed time annually. So these days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, every city. And these days of Purim were not to fail from among the Jews or their memory fade from their descendants. The story is recalled. So part of the feast is tell the story. So you recall the story and they celebrate it. The name comes from Pur, which is dice. And when you put an I-M at the end of P-U-R, you get Purim, and now you have uh, die, you have multiple. And that's the name. So when they celebrate it and Jews celebrate it, they're thinking of those things. Now, I want you to notice when, when it's celebrated, it reminds them that it was not, think of the story, it was not the most powerful man in the land who controlled their destiny. It was not, you know, in the story, that the most evil, powerful man in the land, Haman, who controlled their destiny. It was not even the chance roll of dice. Roll the dice, whatever happens is going to happen to us. It was not that. It was not anything. Here's the key. They could see. See, because they could see. It was not what they could see. What was it that secured their present, preserved them, and secured their future? It was the veiled providence of God, the unseen hand of God at work in providence. God's most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. They celebrate, mindful of that, and are called to trust it. Now, Says easy, lives hard. I, I never know exactly what's the line for me. I hope I walk it appropriately to share with you about my own life. I know Michael and Bill the same way. I don't ever want to say anything inappropriate or, 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 or overshare or be self-serving. I want you to know if I share something, it's, I've talked with Lisa, my family. Uh, I've got friends who can hold those things for me that, that, that are difficult. But there's some things I think it's good for, for us to know because I want you to know, you know, I don't have it all together. And Bill and Michael, the same way, we want you to understand this pulpit does not make us immune from the struggle of faith, from how difficult it can be. For about the last six weeks, I've mentioned some just life events and things going on in my own world. And my tendency is to go to fear and anxiety. You know, I know everyone's not wired like me, and I don't even begin to think that. But, but I get fearful and anxious, feel it in my chest. And, and I've been extremely fearful and, and, and just anxious. And, and yet I'm studying this book. I'm teaching it, you know, to you. And, and so it's, you know, Lord, trust the unseen hand of God. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, but I have our... It's hard for me to separate anxiety, uh, you know, my fear and anxiety from depression. And so I am... I'm in a bit of depression right now that I'm working through and uh, seeing a doctor and getting, getting help. I, I'm, t I'm doing for myself what I tell people to do and 
when struggling with depression. I also share it to take the stigma off of this. It's a, it's a brain disease. If I said I had a tumor, no one would feel weird. But oftentimes, many people don't want to say that they're struggling with depression, a real illness. But, but I am, and, 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 I'm, and I'm walking in it. I have people walking with me in it. But I say that to say, when I look at Esther and I go, you know, look, it's the unseen hand of God. Celebrate it. Trust it. I know that doesn't necessarily come easy. And I'm just right with you. You know, what, what, what is my response? You know, by the power of the Spirit, can I see what God has said and trust it more than what I see with my eyes that creates anxiety and fear in me? We're no different, and we're walking together. And it's part of why we'll gather at these tables in a moment and why we celebrate together to remind us we're not alone. Now, lest you think it's just about individual faith, how about verse 27? Notice that again. The Jews established and made a custom for themselves, for their descendants, and for all those who would ally the, who allied themselves with them. Themselves, their descendants, and others who would join. It's been 13 years, almost, well, 14 years ago that uh, Darden and I, my son, we took a trip to New York, upstate New York, to a West Point graduation. My nephew Paul was graduating, and uh, it was, I'm telling you, I spent two days with goosebumps all over my arm, the back of my neck. Just the, you guys, some of you graduated from there, and some of you've been and seen this, but the, the, the parade grounds, the, the buildings, the place itself, and then as those young men and women are marching and the parades go out, their regiments come out, the sounds, the, everything about it is unbelievable. And at graduation, they stand in what they call the long gray line, the gray uniforms. Why? Because they stand in a line and they recognize the long gray Line. 14 years ago, there was a group that stood here, but they were standing in a line that began hundred, uh, over 100 years before them, you see. And that's why they stood in that line. And now it's been 14 years, so they stood and others have joined that line. And we, as Christians, stand in a long crimson line. You see, we don't stand alone. You, you understand that when we stand and celebrate what we will in a moment, the Lord said, we're standing with the Jews in Esther's day, who knew they were delivered. We stand with the apostles who wrote these things down for us in the New Testament and said, Jesus is the greater Mordecai. Jesus is the greater Esther. Jesus himself brings the greater deliverance. You see, they're delivered, yes, in that day. But let me tell you something. They died, physically died. But Jesus delivers us from eternal separation from God, spiritual death to be separated from him. The greater deliverance is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we stand and we celebrate it, we stand in a line. When those soldiers stood, they stood because they knew, hey, I'm not alone and I'm not here just for me, but for those who will come after me. And it's the same for you and for me if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about us. We matter. We matter for others who will follow. That's the celebration, then the validation, verses 29 to 32. Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter about Purim, sent letters to all the Jews, to 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely words of peace and truth, 
to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for the descendants with instructions for their times of fasting and lamentations. The command of Esther established these customs for Purim, and it was written in the book. Please notice Mordecai sent instructions. He's the prime minister. Esther the queen follows it up with another letter. How important was it that they not forget two letters to let them know that? Notice it was words of peace and truth. And so when this celebration occurs, note, it's not a celebration of, well, we killed them, didn't we? It's not a bloody, it's not a remembrance of that. What is it a remembrance of? Peace and truth. That, that God's deliverance of them brought them peace. Hebrew thought is as it should be, complete, holy. He preserved them. And truth, that word can be translated as well, faithfulness, reliability. How was their peace secured? The faithfulness of God. This is what Purim celebrates, which takes you and I to the celebration that the Lord Jesus commanded that we would celebrate on a regular basis. It brings us to the Lord's table, where you and I celebrate, where you and I remember backwards that Jesus Christ lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that our sin earned, was buried and raised again. It remembers forward because as we take the Lord's table, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. We do it together because none of us stand alone and none of us do it just for ourselves. And so we'll gather around these tables in a moment. If the ushers would come down, I'm going to have the ushers help me. I know this is going to take a little time, and that's why we've got it. I'm going to ask you just to, just to be patient and, and, and do this. But here's what I want you to do, first of all. I want everyone to do this. And then we're going to dismiss a couple rows at a time, and we're going to circle these things. And if you have to get one or two deep around the table, it's okay. So we'll kind of gather around it. I'll instruct you when you're around the table what to do to serve these, the, the, the elements. And then you'll be seated, and then the other people will come up. We'll probably do this four times. But note in Purim, they recall the story. And this table is open. To, if you're a guest today, please join us if you've placed your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But what I want you to sit here for a moment, and I'll give you these instructions. I want you to think for a moment, and I want you to do this in your mind's eye. I want you to recall the story of your salvation. See, that's what we do. We recall it. Like for me, I go back to this room at Clarksville, Tennessee, and I was 18 years old, and I read this force. So I just want you to, I want you to retell yourself the story of your great deliverance. Okay? Everyone just be reflecting on that. And if the ushers would dismiss, just just a couple rows at a time on each side, and then those rows gather around. Would you do that, Mark? You guys dismiss on this side. This first row, hop up. Yes, he dismisses you, go around the tables, and everyone can be reflecting on yourselves, the, the, the story of your salvation. Let's go ahead and get this, these guys. You guys go ahead and, yeah, pop on up. Y'all going up? Let's get as many as we can around it, please. Let's 
squeeze on in. Good. Yeah, Brad, you guys go on. Get up there. Tell yourself, remind yourself how God saved you. Lord, we remember that we were helpless and lost, that it wasn't our intellect that the light went on, it was your grace that opened our eyes. You are a good, good father. You chose and you birthed faith in us that we could believe. And so at this table, we stand now to remember, Lord Jesus, your body broken and your blood shed to secure our deliverance. Sins forgiven, past, present, and future. Our eternity secure. We won't have to suffer separation from the Father because you did for us. And we are grateful. Now take, and rather than take the cup and bread. I want you to serve it to someone. So everyone just organically just hand someone a cup, serve them and take the cup and bread, eat it and drink it and then you can go back to your seat. But serve a person this table. Those of you at the tables now just stand there for a moment because we'll dismiss. We'll get you back to your seats. In fact, let's all stand, so I'll dismiss us. A reminder, you know, in God's providence, we land upon this day on, how about this, on Independence Day, a day that, you know what, our forefathers said, mark it on the calendar. Don't forget, our freedoms cost dearly. And so I want to, if I can blow a little patriotic zeal in us, let's party and celebrate and remember as many challenges and issues as we have in our country. Are you glad you're here? I am. And in God's providence, we're here. You're, you know, we're, this is where we were either born or you became a citizen. Let's be grateful and thankful and celebrate. And may we as God's people, let me encourage you in this way, in our meals and feasting, our talking, our conversations... Let us speak the loudest for our gratitude for our country and also be mindful there is a greater freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may that be part of our celebration of this freedom. Uh, every child and learning center, we have got something for you on the circle out here. Be sure and stop and get that. A reminder of our freedom in Christ, but also a reminder of this holiday we want you to go with. And I've told this, you know, I said, if you see an adult out there getting something out there that they're not supposed to, take a picture because I've got a picture of somebody. Somebody sent me a picture of an adult. I'm not going to mention any names, David Arms, who was getting a, a, getting a treat. So, kids, these are yours. Happy 4th. Remember well. God bless.